Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 218. One of the best things about taking a Royal Caribbean cruise is whether it's your first cruise or your 50th cruise, oftentimes you can still find plenty of things that are new to you. Royal Caribbean stacks its cruise ships with so many wonderful things and activities and events and different options that it seems like even when you cruise for a really long time, you still find new things to you. And this week's episode, we're talking with Justin and Wendy, who just came back from a Royal Caribbean cruise, but they had a number of first-time experiences to share. And on this week's episode, we're going to talk all about those in a first-time-to-them kind of episode. Here we go. Oftentimes, going on a Royal Caribbean cruise can even result, even if it's not your first cruise, still have first experiences. That's the beauty of Royal Caribbean. So many wonderful places to visit, so many amazing ships. And no matter how many times you do cruise, it it seems like even veteran cruisers find things that are new to them. And in this week's episode, we're going to be talking with Justin and Wendy Nelson, who have gone on a cruise and have done a lot of firsts for them as well. So let me start off by welcoming Justin and Wendy. Wendy, welcome to Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thanks, Matt. It's great to join you. Matt, it's good to be back with the Sultan of the High Seas. And you are to Royal Caribbean as Michael Jackson is to pop. You're the king. We, <laughs> we think it's great being on your show again. Awesome. Thanks so much. I think we had you guys on episode 165, if memory serves me correctly, about the... Uh, oh, yep, had a good time. About Liberty of the Seas. And today... We're talking about first because, uh, you know, Justin, this isn't your first cruise, but you did a lot of firsts. Like you, you sent me a message, and there were like I think a half dozen first thing, first time you've tried something, and I think there's really a lot of value in that because you know for a lot of us, I we you know maybe we we read RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, we see these new things that are coming out there, and it gets us excited, right? Ooh, a new water slide or a new specialty restaurant or a new option or a new cruise port, and I think that that. I don't know about you guys, but to me, when I get to go on a cruise and really try something new, new to me anyway, I get excited for it. It's it's kind of a neat experience because, you know, so many other things, maybe you've been there, done that a little bit. Not that it's not fun, but when you get something new, it's genuinely exciting. What did you guys think about before this cruise and kind of looking forward to all these things? Well, we were definitely excited. I mean, we're we're loyal to Royal. We're not the newbies to cruising nor to Royal Caribbean, I and mean, we're getting close to being platinum a couple nice. uh, nights away. But um, yeah, it was it was a cruise of first for us. We were excited. You, normally, we cruise out of port or out of uh, Galveston, Texas, uh, but we wanted to try an Oasis class ship. So for us, it was the first time out of Port Canaveral, the first time on an Oasis ship, the first time at Labadee. First time for a Labadoozy. First time using the ultimate dining package. First time having a balcony. I mean, there was a lot of firsts for us, so it, it was really exciting to us. There's no such thing as a bad cruise, so we knew that we would be able to experience a lot of different things and kind of learn a little bit more for in the future whenever we plan things that we would like to repeat or things that we would be okay not doing again. Absolutely. Makes total sense. I like it. So let's talk about the the most obvious choice, which, of course, is your choice to cruise out of Florida this time as opposed to Galveston, as you mentioned. So what was the impetus for going out of Florida? And talk to us about your experience. Where did you fly into? What, how did you think the cruise port compared in Canaveral versus Galveston? Kind of take us through some of that. 
Well, we really wanted to go out of Port Canaveral because we really wanted to finally go on an Oasis-class ship. Uh, we live in flyover country. We live in uh, Missouri. We live in this little city called Springfield. It's really close to – most people know we're Branson, Missouri. I've heard of Branson, Missouri. We're really close to there. And so we didn't fly. We enjoyed the drive. And so we took a couple days from Missouri to get out to Florida um, to um, embark on this cruise on Oasis of the Seas. Nice. And where did you fly into? Where did you drive? We drove. We drove all the way, and we we stayed a night uh, in in between the process, and um, just enjoyed the countryside. Although we got to see a lot of uh, some of the damage anyway, and in, in the southern Georgia and in northern and central Florida, it was interesting uh, when we got into uh, the in the northern Florida. Probably the first six or seven gas stations we came to were out of gas. <laughs> And so, yeah, it was, I mean, pump after pump after pump, there was plastic bags on the nozzles and line after line of people waiting to get gas. Finally, we came to a gas station that just happened to have one of the tankers filling up the tanks to the station and we finally got gas. But it was, it was a pretty interesting adventure getting down into Florida because of all the hurricane activity. Um, The interesting thing is we didn't have to pay any tolls because the state of Florida waived those for their residents so people could be helped for all that's going on uh, in the uh, evacuation processes and in the uh, reconstruction and rebuilding of of the areas that got hurt by the hurricanes. So we didn't have to pay any tolls down, you know, through the process. But it was an interesting adventure getting there. And, uh, in fact, the hotel that we stayed at, uh, in Port Canaveral was one of the only hotels that was up and running and able to accommodate guests. So, uh, thankfully, uh, it was the hotel that we had booked. So that was yeah. a great, great thing. That's great to hear. I was also able to take advantage of the free tolls on the way down from my Harmony of the Seas cruise. Uh, when the state of Florida declares a state of emergency, they waive the tolls to, so that people can, you know, uh, evacuate properly without having to worry about paying a couple bucks to get out of Dodge. And it's uh, right. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's saving a couple dollars here. Hey, I'm I'm all about that. So that's uh, that's quite good. And you guys stayed at a at a hotel uh, in the area, and then, like you said, it was luckily it was open. How did you? What did you think of Port Canaveral versus uh, the Port of Galveston? Well, as you know, the Port of Galveston is n- not an attractive port at all. You know, you see the oil refineries belching out there in the ocean, and it looks very industrial and and Port Canaveral has some of that, obviously, but not as much as Galveston. And um, so we enjoyed the scenery more at Port Canaveral. Um, what was interesting, though, about the um, the terminal itself was um, how quick and efficient we got on the cruise ship. Uh, of all the cruises we've ever taken, that was the fastest that we've ever had – when it comes to embarkation, the process of embarkation, I think uh, from curb to ship, it was maybe 20 minutes. I was really impressed with the whole process, especially as many people that go onto that ship at one time. And one of the nice things, the hotel that we stayed at in Cocoa Beach the night before, we did a park and cruise package with them where we stayed the night before the cruise and we were able to keep our car parked there for the week. And then they drove us to and from the port. So they just pulled up curbside. We unloaded our luggage with the porters and then we walked in um, to get on the ship. 
That's wonderful. It sounds like you guys had a great embarkation process, and that Terminal 1 is beautiful, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it is, and I was impressed with how many representatives they had, how many stations they had for the representatives, how well the lines were coordinated. I mean, just, just the whole thing was really impressive to me. Uh, I was amazed that with that much traffic going on the ship that they really had it down to a science, and everything that I heard about that terminal being quick and efficient was absolutely true. We were we thoroughly enjoyed the whole process. Yeah, it's amazing because, of course, Terminal 1, much like Terminal 18 in Port Everglades, both were built with Oasis-class ships in mind. And so when they when you can design the terminal around the ship that's going to be docking there, boy, is it making it very efficient because they've really, you know, it, it, they're not trying to slam a square circle into a or square circle, a circle into a square peg, right? It's not one of those kind of situations. Right. It uh, it works out really well, and I'm, gl- I'm glad the uh, you enjoyed the process there. Let's talk about your ship, of course, Oasis of the Seas. First of all, let's talk about your, your, your balcony. First time doing a balcony, and what did you think? Because, of course, that's the one of the age-old debates out there. Do we spend the extra money for the balcony? And I guess what prompted you to try it out, and what did you think? Well, one of the reasons why we decided to go ahead and try a balcony on this cruise is because we ended up catching a deal where we could upgrade from our promenade stateroom, inside stateroom, to a balcony for only $150 difference. So we thought this is the time to try it. Yeah, yeah I'd like to comment. I'd like to comment on that. That's an interesting thing, the, the balcony issue. You know, like I said, we are not uh, newbies to cruising, and we've cruised a lot, but interestingly enough, we've never had a balcony, and so we thought, well, this time we'll do it because the cost was really reasonable. But we're kind of on the fence, really. It's interesting. It may have something to do with the size of the ship and all the activities on board. Um, There were some pros and cons to it. Obviously, the pros is that you can just open the door and walk right into your room out to the balcony and enjoy the scenery and enjoy a drink or some food or whatever, some conversation. But there was a couple of things that struck us, one of them being that because we had a balcony and because basically, in essence, that whole side of the um, stateroom is a glass wall, that it added to the temperature in the room. It kept the room pretty warm. And um, also, I don't know about all the cabins normally, but in our cabin, the balcony door didn't really completely seal, and there was always some whistling of air and air coming through. And so, I don't know. We we were kind of on the fence as far as the balcony's concerned. We enjoyed it, but would it be a priority every time we go cruising? You know, I don't know. I think we might have enjoyed it more if it was in maybe cooler climates. Maybe let's say we were going to Alaska or something like that, and it might have been more enjoyable out there as far as the temperature. And but it won't. It probably won't be a priority on our list. Yeah, it's interesting because the the issues you bring up are kind of sound like outlier situations, not very typical. When you guys close the door, did you did you turn the the handle all the way to like quote unquote seal the door? We, we did. did, and we pulled yeah. it tight, and wow. uh, yeah, yeah, we did. Wow. I'm, yeah. I'm sure not every door is that way, and that one wasn't the main issue for us. The main issue for us was the temperature. Um, the air conditioning in our room was working fine, um, but I just think that the the humidity and the ambient temperature outside really was a factor with having a balcony. 
And it was even a, a noticeable enough difference in the temperature. We had never said anything to our room steward about it. But when we got off the ship, I think it was the day we were in Jamaica, she made a point to say, I'll make sure and keep the curtains drawn to keep the temperature down in your room. So our, our room steward even know that it was an issue. And one other thing that I um, didn't enjoy as much about the balcony is because with the, the structure itself um, of the door frame, it wasn't a completely unobstructed view of the ocean. And our very first cruise, we did a panoramic ocean view room, which was a complete like glass wall where right. you could see the ocean with nothing obstructing whatsoever. So I think both of us would agree that that's probably been our favorite type of room that we've had so far. Yeah, I would agree. That that has been our favorite type of room so far. Don't get me wrong. The balcony is nice. And if we had the opportunity for the same deal and it only cost a um, hundred bucks or so to do it again, you know, we would do it. But in the future, it's not going to be that great of a factor for us determining factor on what room we get. So, yeah, I mean, you know what? It's it's different strokes for different folks. I mean, that's what makes cruising so fun. It's something that I enjoy. Maybe someone else does not enjoy as much, and that's okay. That's what makes cruising fun. We're not all doing the same thing. We're not marching in a line and kind of having the exact same experience. It's what you want to make of it. And to your point, I mean, hey, if you guys enjoy some of the other rooms, like the panoramics, which are absolutely gorgeous. Uh, these are rooms, as as they mentioned, are rooms that they don't have a balcony, but they just have literally one of the walls is just made out of glass. And so it gives you a really wide view of everything around you. So it's the balcony view without it being able to just get out there and get the breeze. But, you know, for a lot of things, that's fine. Just being able to see where you are and enjoy the view. And oftentimes those panoramic rooms are also higher up on the ship because they've been added on. So you get some really cool views to, to go with it. So I love it. I think that's a, I think that's a wonderful. Um, speaking of the, speaking of the ship, what did you guys think of trying out the Oasis class? Another first for you. I know that you've done Liberty of the Seas, so certainly not a small ship. But how did uh, how did the Oasis class overall feel to you? And what did you think about that? Well, obviously, it's bigger. <laughs> like I looked at it statistically, and the Oasis class is roughly forty percent bigger than the Freedom class. And if you've ever been on a Freedom-class ship, they are mammoth ships. They are huge ships. Uh, I, I can say that Oasis was – it was an amazing ship. It really was. Um, you know, it's almost 10 years old now. It was in great condition. All the hard goods were in great condition. You know, all the public spaces were fantastic. I noticed that, you know, the Royal Promenade was – it looked like it was at least double the width of a Freedom-class ship. That's right. Um, for me, Central Park was one of the most unexpected and beautiful places on the ship, and especially at night. We love that area. We love the ambiance. We love the access to all the most of the specialty restaurants on the ship. We enjoyed the uh, live string music in the evening. We enjoyed the strolls through the. Um, the greenways at night that really was one of my favorite parts of the ship and a very unique part of any ship cruise ship um it's just a fantastic place i, I would say that the elevators were a little slower than other royal caribbean ships we've been on um i wouldn't say extremely slow but there were many times where it seemed uh, the wait was a lot a little bit longer than it would be on any other ship uh, it had the friendliest staff that 
I've ever encountered on any Royal Caribbean ship. I was struck by that. Um, the only time it really felt crowded to me was really on embarkation day. Uh, that's when it felt the most crowded to me. Um, the, the, there's lots and lots of positives to an Oasis class ship. I enjoyed it fully, but my wife and I talked about this. The one negative aspect for us, and it's not a, a deal breaker, but it is a big one, is that, and you've heard it before and it sounds cliche now, but you do feel quite a bit more disconnected to the ocean than other Royal Caribbean ships. No, that's not a uncommon thought, and I think I was pretty much nodding my head with a lot of what you were saying there. Wendy, what was your favorite aspect of, of the Oasis class? What stood out for you on Oasis at Seas? Well, I would say that on Oasis, I agree with Justin, that Central Park was absolutely beautiful. I think it was one of my uh, favorite parts on the whole ship. The entertainment was um, great. Better, I think, than on other ships that we've sailed on in the past. And also some of the different venues that they had um, on board the ship, such as like the Jazz 4 Club on Deck 4, had some really interesting music and some of the clubs that they had. It was just um, really neat, the different venues that they offered. And everything that you hear about the Oasis class is true the neighborhoods are genius, really, and the way that the, the ship is laid out is it, it's really well thought out. Um, and like I said, it's it's so good that even though the ship has a large number of passengers, it doesn't feel that way for the most part. Um, but it's a, it's a great ship. I definitely agree. I don't think that it seemed as congested as what you would think it would be with that many people on board. But I do kind of disagree um, with Justin that on sea days, it seems like the pool decks to me were overly crowded. I, I like to go and spend time at the pool usually on every cruise pretty much every single day. But I found myself only going on port days after we had finished uh, shopping or whatever we were going to do in port. Interesting. Uh, you know, it's I do agree that the, the, the Wasteless Class ships only... Embarkation Day has a weird feel. I don't know what it is about. I think people just mill about more rather than go doing activities because what really draws people out and, and spreads them out are the activities, right? When you're on a... Whether it's a port day or a sea day, there's so many things going on it helps spread out the crowds. On Embarkation Day, everyone's kind of doing the same thing. They're either eating or they're walking around on the basic public areas. They haven't quite branched out yet to discover some of the other things about the ship. And it's interesting, Wendy, that you brought up the pool uh, uh, congestion. You know, one of the things I've always told people is no matter which ship you go on, it could be Majesty of the Seas. If you're on a sea day, the, the pool's going to be crowded. There's going to be people on deck. That's like the thing to do no matter what ship it is. And it doesn't matter size or anything. It's going to be crowded on there. Um, but obviously one person's crowded is another person's uncrowded. So, you know, they're, they're, that's that's fair to say. And, you know, the nice thing about the Oasis class is there's so much going on there to choose from and what to do that you're not relegated to, well, there's only two things we can do right now. It's either this or that. You know, there's so many activities. And that's what I love about it. I love having too many choices because that just, to me, means I've got, you know, options at, at hand. And uh, that makes me feel better about my cruise experience, quite honestly. So, um, the, you know. I would agree with I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with you, Matt, on that. I did love that it had a plethora of options all day long. 
and there was something, multiple things happening at multiple sites, and I like the freedom to choose. I thought, you know, the variety of activities on the cruise ship, it was great. Good. Let's talk about, uh, speaking of the ship and variety, the ultimate dining package. You tried this for the first time. This is a relatively new option. So, And, and for those who aren't aware of what the ultimate dining package is, it's a, it's a dining package where basically you can eat at a specialty restaurant every night of your cruise for dinner and at a specialty restaurant on, on uh, sea days for lunch. And it's for one fee. And it's it's actually a great value in the sense of if you compare trying to do that same amount of dining individually and booking reservations individually. I'll post a link in our show notes at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com to my review of it. But, uh, Justin and Wendy, what did you think of the ultimate dining package? We uh, loved it. Actually, Justin said, I don't know if I can go back to just eating in the dining room after this. <laughs> we got a little spoiled. <laughs> yeah, I've got to say... If you can get the ultimate dining package, do it. Do it. I'm, I'm begging you to do it. It's, it was the highlight of our cruise. You know, generally on any cruise that we go to, we usually eat in the main dining room and patron maybe one specialty restaurant or two at the most. Now, on this ship, it afforded us to eat every single evening and lunch at uh, on sea days in any specialty dining restaurant we want and i have to i have to tell you that was a great great experience to every single day go to whatever dining experience we want to have enjoy the ambiance enjoy the variety of food enjoy the different atmospheres and like you said you know we put pen to paper it really ended up being about $15, $20 a person per meal for all the times that we ate on the ship. It's a fantastic value. And of all the ships you would want to do this on, this is the one to do it. Um, the variety of dining venues on this ship are huge. I mean, there's around, I think, 22 or so of them. And um, it afforded you to taste and to try all of them, to compare and contrast, and uh, just have a good time. Just have a really good time um, enjoying everything the ship has to offer concerning food. And by the way, we only ate in the main dining room one time for breakfast, and that was it. So yeah, it was I great. Know, I one thing you're not wrong about, if you're going to do the Ultimate Dining Package, the ship to do it on is an Oasis class ship, whether it's Oasis, Allure, Harmony, or Symphony. You know, that that's a different story. It doesn't really matter, I don't think. But because there's so many restaurants and so many great choices there, it is such a, a perfect ship for it. That's why I tried it out on Harmony of the Seas earlier this summer. And, and you're right. I mean, it's just so much. In fact, my only complaint, honestly, is there's just so much food. So you can either say it one of two yeah. ways. There's so much food or... There was so much food, <laughs> and depending on which side, how you say it, kind of is your reaction. I don't think there's any, I mean, it's a great value. That in and of itself, I mean, the money that you save on it is just incredible. And when you turn around, and uh, it's just, it, it, it just comes down to, you know, the, do you, for me, it was a lot of times like the lunches were just like, I don't really need a full lunch. I just want like something quick and easy because it seems like, you know, it's that hashtag always eating. Uh, when you're on a cruise ship, but I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. And I do think that it's something, if you've never done a lot of specialty dining or any specialty dining, it's a great way to work in a lot of different restaurants. And maybe you want to spice something up. Maybe a lot of times we get questions about, you know, how can I do something special or different on, on my next cruise? Try the ultimate dining package because as, 
you know, Justin and Wendy just pointed out here, you've got an opportunity to, you know, really treat yourself and try all these restaurants. And knowing that, you know, when you're going to Chops Grill and you're paying like, I forget what the breakdown is, it's something like in the 20-something dollars per day uh, realm of, of pricing, you know, I mean, you can you can totally justify saying, you know what, I'm just going to get, you know, a steak and not much else because it's okay, but you're still getting in there and enjoying it. And it's, it's, it's a fun experience, especially when you know, uh, when you walk away with that $0 bill, that's nice too. Yes, that was nice. The one thing we do wish would have been included in the ultimate dining package is the Izumi hibachi. It looked really fun whenever we were kind of peeking past us when we were eating on the traditional Izumi side, but um, we really wish that that would have been included so we could have tried it. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Yeah. The, the hibachi is. The reason why the hibachi is not included, uh, as far as I can tell, anyway, is because they don't need to include. It. It's so it's got such high demand and so low occupancy, right? I mean, there you can only handle what three tables of eight, so you know, twenty four people, three there are three shows a night. I mean, you know, they they have no problem evidently selling it out, but yeah, wouldn't that be awesome, Wendy? If they could if they could include, the, yeah, it uh, would have been. <laughs> uh, from your lips to God's ears. All right, I'm sorry, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're right, and you know. We got to, to eat at some old favorites, but we got to try some new things. I mean, like Chops Grill, as usual, it's it's fantastic. It did great steaks, great service, great desserts. I think we ate there around three times during the trip. I noticed since we had been – four times, my <laughs> wife says. Since we had been – since the last time we had been to Chops, they had changed the menu some, for us anyway – and they had a dry-aged Angus burger on the menu. I didn't get to try it, but I thought it was interesting. I might try it uh, next time around. You know, Giovanni's Table. You know, I, sometimes Giovanni's Table gets a bad rap with a lot of Royal Caribbean cruisers. But, you know, I've never had a bad meal there. It's always been delicious, and we're foodies ourselves. The pasta's, you know, made fresh. They've got great sauces. You can't beat the tiramisu or the cannoli. They've got a great bolognese sauce, you know. Park Central Cafe was new for us. You know, it was a great place for breakfast and lunch. You know, it had those paninis, and it had the breakfast burritos, and it had that famous uh, roast beef on Kimmelweck. By the way, it was delicious, especially for with the horseradish sauce for me. You know, it's not too crowded. We parked ourselves in Park Cafe a lot of the time. It was just a great place to um, enjoy a meal and enjoy the um, the um, the. Uh, 150 Central Park. Um, Johnny Rockets what ended up being a great place for breakfast breakfast for us. We'd never had breakfast there on any other ship. You know, they had breakfast sandwiches and pancakes and French toast and omelets. We enjoyed that. One of the restaurants that I really enjoyed was 150 Central Park. You know, it's a it's a farm to table type of a restaurant um, through the award winning chef Michael Schwartz. You know, that something interesting though, the head waiter told me there at 150 Central or 150 Central Park, that that it was a separate entity from all the other specialty dining venues with Royal Caribbean. He almost made it sound like Royal Caribbean didn't have much say in its operations of its menu. Have you ever heard that? I mean, that's kind of how he, he presented it to me. Yeah, 150 Central Park is, uh, is I think you said it was made by, uh, or it's, uh, what's the word, uh, managed by Michael Schwartz, celebrity chef, and it's really his, yeah. it's his deal. They kind of give him that free reign which is which i think is cool i mean it's nice to be able to go somewhere and see the menu yeah. change a little bit especially if you cruise a couple times every now and then it you know right. it's a nice change of right. pace yeah i thought it was great you know of course i know you love azumi mm. 
and it was great. Great sushi. We love the vegetable tempura. I had that great cocktail. What is it called? Like a geisha? Is that what it's called? Um, I had. I love, <laughs> I love it too. I had it multiple times. We love the mochi ice cream. Um, you know, it's a great place. There's a reason why you love it. it <laughs> good reason. It's a great restaurant. We actually came home from our cruise and went to the local Asian market to find mochi ice cream to buy it um, to satisfy that sweet craving. Yeah. Like a, I was in Izumi one time and I had green tea. I was like, man, this is a good cup of green tea. And I was looking at the label and I was like, oh, I see the brand name here. And I went on Amazon and ordered it and it was waiting for me when I got home. So, <laughs> you know what? You're not the only person to, to be inspired by uh, the cuisine of Izumi. I like it. Uh, we got right. time for uh, now, a couple other, other firsts here. Uh, first time on Labadee. Talk to us about that. Yeah. Yeah, either, I mean, there's a reason why Royal Caribbean cruisers love that place. It was pristine. It was beautiful. You know, we did a lot of great things while we were at Labadee. We rented a, a beach bed, um, and that was a great experience. You know, they had the floating mats there and the bottles of water, and it was at Adrenaline Beach right there next to the water, close to the water. They had, a you know, an attendant. That was all great. Uh, we took your advice and went down the Dragon's Breath zip line, and I've got to tell you that was the experience of a lifetime. Um, I, I would recommend that to anyone. Yes, getting up to the actual top of the mountain to go down it was indeed an adventure. Um, but but we we all thoroughly enjoyed that. We enjoyed the artisans markets there. Bought a few things, and we enjoyed the Labadoozies. Oh yes, Matt, you are exactly right. There's no disputing it. Labadoozies are a fantastic drink. I am in the club with you. I will be your secretary or vice president. I'm right there with you. Awesome. I'm so glad. To, I've never been so happy to hear that I was right. But uh, I'm so glad you enjoyed that. It like you guys had an awesome time there. And, uh, you know, boy, you don't have to sell me on Labadee. Love Labadee. Rail Crane's private destination in northern Haiti. I mean, it's just, oh. If I could go on a cruise that just visited Labadee over and over again, sign me up. That would be awesome. Right. I think we all three, because we sailed with our daughter as well, that I think we all three um, thought that Labadee was our favorite port, maybe just the favorite highlight in general of the trip. Cool. I like it. What did, uh, how old is your daughter, and did she try anything new to her besides the stuff that we kind of talked about already? She actually turned 16 the day we got off the ship, and she did everything that we did. So whether it was um, karaoke or zip lining or um, eating at all the specialty restaurants, she was right there. And she did have a non-alcoholic Labadoozie as well, and she loved it. <laughs> I would also say, Matt, that there's always – I've heard there's much debate, you know, even on the message boards about the um, the tastiness of the – barbecue there on Labadee, we thought it was great. We thought it was very good. Um, we had no problems with it. Everything was tasty, and we thought it was a good meal. So um, no qualms there. I went, my wife brought up uh, karaoke just for a little fun. I actually made the finals of the Superstar Karaoke on our ship. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty impressive. I like that. So that. So that was a blast, and uh, I'd never made the finals before, but we enjoyed it. I, you know, oh, the Oasis class ship is a great ship for me, and I think for my wife. 
the only con for us is the connection to the ocean. That's that's really it for me, it's for sure. And so everything else I enjoyed. I enjoyed all of it. The entertainment, whether it was Cats or Come Fly With Me or the Eye Show or, you know, the Oasis of Dreams, the the diving and acrobatic show. I think they really stepped up their game as far as entertainment's concerned, more so than any other ship we've been on so far. Um, so I was thoroughly impressed with all of that. But now that we've experienced one of the largest class of ships, our next cruise that we booked as we got home, we are going to be going on one of the smallest class of ships next. So we'll be able to compare those a little bit better. Which one would that be? We're going on Enchantment. We're, we're taking a, a Southern Caribbean trip, a nine-day uh, trip on Enchantment. Nice. Uh, that's yeah. wonderful. Thank you guys for sharing all this. This is always a lot of fun to be able to to talk about, and and I love that you know we get to talk about you know first, even though they're not first, like you're the first people to ever try these by any means. But it's just it makes it you know it's something I think we overlook is that for a lot of people, even though maybe we've done a handful of cruises or more, there's something it's nice to have those kind of things still pop up there. So Justin and Wendy, thank you so much for for joining us here, and always a pleasure to talk a little real quick with all of you. You too, Matt. We thoroughly enjoy you, and you're like family to us in our home, so we wish you the best of everything and what you're doing. Welcome to the listener email part of the podcast, where I answer your listener emails. Basically, there's an opportunity for you to email me, well, anything about a Royal Caribbean cruise. Maybe you've got a question about your upcoming cruise, you heard something on the podcast, read something on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, wanted to talk about it, well, this is your opportunity to do so. And, of course, you can always email me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email comes to us from Christine, who writes, My mother and I went on our first Royal Caribbean cruise in May 2014 on Navigator this season. I agree with you that it is our favorite ship. We're going on a Canada-New England cruise, departing uh, soon on Serenade of the Seas, and wondering if you or any of your listeners have any information on the ship. I've tried searching this, but have been unable to find much information on the ship. So Serenade of the Seas is a Radiance-class ship, and it's a beautiful ship, in fact. I love the Radiance-class ship. It's been too long since I've been on it. Now think about it. i got to book a cruise on there. I'm sure my wife is happy with thoughts on that. But nonetheless, uh, it's a wonderful ship. What's nice about the Radiance-class ships is views of the ocean. So many nice things to be able to see, uh, you know, all around you. And, you know, it, it doesn't have flow riders. It doesn't have skydiving. But it makes up for it in a classic cruising experience and honestly a radiance class ship is perfect for canada to new england because you're going to these smaller ports you're getting an opportunity to visit some really beautiful places i'm not sure what your itinerary is i assume it's places like bar harbor maine halifax nova scotia and many other wonderful ports there's so many things to do there and it's it's really really nice well there you go Time for our next email, and it is from John Carbone. It's Matt. We were booked on Navigator Disease for Christmas, and we're having second thoughts and looked at another line. But we stumbled upon the blog, your post, and the daily plan. There will be no change in your commentary and personalization of the ships and ports reassured and confirmed this is the right choice and not to try Princess Cruising. John, I'm so glad to hear that. Great news. Hey, I mean, obviously, you're preaching to the choir here, but I really am glad that, at the very least, uh, blog.com in some form or fashion, Helped reassure you that you made the right choice, and I, I'll tell you, I, I don't think you're going to go wrong. I love Navigator of the Seas. Going on a holiday cruise, I think you're going to love that even more. 
and I'm just jealous, honestly. I wish I was going on there. In fact, I had booked Navigator for New Year's Eve, but I had to cancel it because it was just not going to work. Uh-huh. No, it doesn't matter. It could be, I could be canceling a cruise because I have to meet the Queen of England and I would still be disappointed. I don't want any cruises canceled, right? No one wants that. It's it's like spilled milk. You can, And you know what? You can cry about canceled cruises. Maybe not so much spilled milk, but canceled cruises are crying worthy. Our next email is from Nick from Bartlett, Illinois. Writes, hi Matt, I'm an avid listener of your weekly podcast. Needless to say, you always have great information and input for everything Royal Caribbean. My family and I are going on uh, Oasis of the Season in November. We have two staterooms for a total of five of us going on the trip. Myself, uh, Andy, my cousin just upgraded to a Central Park balcony stateroom, stateroom 14177. My question is, what are some of the perks that come along with staying in a Central Park balcony room? I think I remember you talking about this on a previous podcast, but can't recall for sure. Keep up the great work of the podcast. I always look forward to listening to it each week. And that's a really good question. Thank you for sending me the email. So Royal Caribbean offers a number of benefits on Oasis-class ships only if you stay in a neighborhood balcony, meaning a boardwalk balcony stateroom or a Central Park View balcony stateroom. So staying in a Central Park balcony, you're going to get uh, three different benefits. You're going to be able to get private casino gaming lessons, you're going to be able to get a complimentary bottle of red wine in your stateroom. And you also get a complimentary lunch for two at either uh, Sabor or uh, Giovanni's Table or Jamie's Italian if you're on Harmony of the Sea. So you get a choice of that, and that comes with your room. It's free. There's no additional costs. Real Crimin, I added it a couple of years ago. I, I, I'm almost flabbergasted as to why. I mean... I, I guess people aren't booking them or booking them as often as they'd like. Anyway, it's a really nice perk, and it really does that. Now, if you happen to book a boardwalk stateroom, you get different perks. For the boardwalk rooms, you get a complimentary meal for up to four guests at Johnny Rockets. The uh, the first two guests, at least, get the unlimited soft drink package, the soda card, soda package, and a private rock climbing wall session um, for the family. So some interesting benefits between both, and and I think that there, I think many of us always say, well, I wish I could pick, you know, one from here and two from there, and you know, combine them. But it's still nice, and I'll tell you, I as many of you know, I'm a big fan of the Central Park balcony rooms. I just love the ambiance. You heard Justin and Wendy talking about that a little bit earlier in the episode, and I agree with them. I, if nothing else, if I could if if I could have a Star Trek transporter and beam me up, Scotty, and bring me right anywhere on an Oasis class ship, it would have to be in Central Park, especially at night. Love that ambiance, love the music and everything about it. So I like the room to begin with, and then when you get these additional benefits like the red wine and the complimentary lunch for two, that's not a bad deal right there. So Nick, I hope that answers your question there. Thank you so much for the email. We have a next email is from Brendan, who writes, I have a few questions. I'm cruising with two kids and myself on a seven-night Harmony of the Seas cruise. We're all first-time Royal Caribbean cruisers, but we have cruised on Disney, Princess, Carnival, or Norwegian. I was wondering, for a seven-night cruise, what length of dining package do you think would be best for us? Then my next question is, what do you think would be the best room for us out of these? Large balcony or Central Park balcony? Last, should we book with a Royal, with Royal Caribbean directly or through a travel agent? And if travel agent, do you have any travel agent recommendations? Love your podcast. Thanks for the help. P.S. What are your top three Royal Caribbean ships in order? Tough questions, Brendan. Thank you for the email. All right, let's start off at the top here. What like dining package? You know, your experienced cruiser is obviously new to Royal Caribbean. I'm a big fan of the main dining room experience. I think it's it's still a lot of fun. I think for you, something on the ball in the range for a seven night cruise, I, I might say. A three or four night dining package would be worthwhile to you. 
and, and that's based on the idea that you want to experience the main dining room at least a couple times. I like the main dining room. I like it a lot, actually. And But the Oasis Class Ships offer so much great uh, dining variety. And on Harmony of the Seas, it's really impressive. So, really, there's a, there's a lot to enjoy there. I would tell you that... You know, three or four gives you a good taste, no pun intended, although it <laughs> did work out quite well there. Uh, but it gives you a good taste for what to expect, and then obviously on subsequent cruises, I know you're going to get hooked on the Royal Caribbean. I know you're going to want to book some more. You can obviously indulge a little bit more, but three or four is going to give you pretty much a stab at more than likely the restaurants, especially restaurants that stand out to you. They really jump out, ooh, I really want to try Izumi and Chops and maybe 150 Central Park. Those are really great choices there. So um, that's kind of how I would go about it. Your other questions were... Uh, about the best rooms, large balcony or central park balcony. This boils down to honestly your how much of a how important it is for you to see the ocean. For me, I don't really care. I mean, it's nice seeing the ocean. Don't get me wrong, but it was never like a big deal. You may, you you often hear. In fact, earlier in this episode, you heard from Justin and Wendy who told you, you know, they one thing that they did not enjoy about Oasis of the Seas was this idea that they can when you're an Oasis class ship, you don't have that kind of connection to the ocean and that you can see it from all over the ship. Not that you can't see it, it's just that another ship you see it more often. For some people, that's a problem. If you ask my wife, she would tell you large balcony, regular ocean-facing balcony. I would tell you Central Park balcony. And there's two reasons why. Number one, Central Park balcony is going to be a little bit cheaper, save a little more money, more money back in your pocket for something else you're likely going to spend on board the cruise anyway. And second of all, you get those nice perks we talked about earlier, basically free stuff for staying in the room. And... There's so many other ships in Royal Caribbean's fleet. When you do those, you can go back to the balcony, you know, and, and enjoy the ocean there. So, from for me, that's what it's all about. You also want to know about booking with Royal Caribbean or a travel agent. I always, always, always recommend using a travel agent. It's just it's, it's added service for no additional cost. A good travel agent costs you absolutely nothing extra. And I've used a travel agent every single time I book any of my Royal Caribbean cruises. It's to me, it's not, it's a no-brainer. It's not even a hesitation in my mind about it. And we, of course, always use MEI Travel. Full disclosure, we are a sponsor of RealGreenBlog.com, so I need to put that out there. But I will tell you that I have booked every single one of my cruises with MEI Travel. In fact, I was using MEI Travel long before they ever sponsored RealGreenBlog.com. So if nothing else, I'm putting my money where my mouth is, and I hope that, that helps a little bit. And your last question, top three Real Caribbean ships in order. Number one, obviously number one being number one. Harmony of the Seas. Number two, Navigator of the Seas. Number three, Freedom of the Seas. Let's go with that. I like that. All right, I think we have time for one more email. One more email, and this is from Izzy, who writes, Hi, Matt, just heard your podcast on food with Royal Caribbean. Good job. My question is on the cruise planner. There's an option to book dinner at the Solarium Bistro free of charge on Harmony of the Seas. Do you know what kind of food is served, and do you think it's better, per se, than eating at the main dining room? All right, so yes, the Solarium Bistro is a... It's weird in the sense that it's there's no cost to it, but you can make reservations. This is for dinner. Actually, Solarium Bistro is open for breakfast and lunch. It's a great spot for both, by the way. Don't overlook it. It's a lot less crowded than other places. Easy to get in. I like the food a lot. How would I describe the cuisine at Solarium Bistro? It's, it's a little... From what I've read, it's supposed to be a little more healthier. I mean, there's a lot of variety there. It's It's kind of a... It's a, it's still a buffet in that you get, but it's you you get tables and you sit down. I don't know how to. That doesn't make any sense. Every restaurant you sit down, Matt, except for Taco Bell, but even they have tables. Basically, you get the food, but there's a little better variety of food. If you like a little more, I don't want to say eccentric food. If you like a little more um, 
food that's a little more, you know, maybe more varied than what you might find in the main dining room, this is a really good choice for you. I remember we were, I was on, I think it was Anthem of the Seas, and I had the uh, a Moroccan tomato soup that I'll tell you guys was slap your grandma good. I texted my wife and I said, you need to figure out, we need to find the recipe for this. I want this all the time. So, <laughs> yeah, for me, I mean, that was just a, it's, it's really cool. Thing. First of all, since there's no cost to you, absolutely book it. Try it on out. I always tell people, if you don't like it, the Windjamer is still open. You can go check that out and, and load up there. But I think you'll enjoy it quite a bit. The only reason you might not enjoy it is if, you, if you're a super picky eater. But I think you're going to find something you're going to like there. There's a lot of great um a lot of great choices there, but I, I'm a really big fan of Solarium Bistro. It's vastly underrated. It's just it falls under the radar because there's so many dining options. And on you know on, on Oasis class ships, my gosh, there's just so many options that I think oftentimes you know we talk about all these other restaurants, but Solarium Bistro is wonderful uh, and you know really really nice. So thank you for the email, Izzy. Thank you to everybody for these wonderful messages and. and questions love answering this and of course if you want to send me your email you can do so you can send me an email at uh, matt at royal caribbean blog.com matt m-a-t-t at royal caribbean well that'll do it for this episode of the podcast thank you again for joining us here until next time i'm matt hotchberg and we'll talk again soon